Good morning, Rimrock Church. Are you guys surviving the heat out there? I hope so. It's nice and cool in here. I'm just glad to be here with you this morning to worship. It's great to see all of you guys um, and be together. So let's sing to our king.
Thank you, Darcy. I appreciate that. Good morning, Rimrock. How are you guys today? Oh, good. What? The weather gets nice and you guys get all peppy. That's cool. All right. Very good. Well, very nice to have you guys here today. Uh, I want to invite anybody who's new uh, here today um, uh, to introduce yourself. We're not asking you to stand up and do that uh, in front of everybody. Uh, We have a sneakier way to do that. If you want to just find the card that's in the back of the chair right in front of you, uh, give us a little bit of information about yourself. It just starts a conversation, allows us to introduce ourselves to you, kind of help you to know what this community is about and how you can get plugged in. Uh, if you'll take that card after service straight across the lobby to the welcome area, they would love to trade it for a gift. Just a way of saying thanks for joining us today and introducing yourself. So if you would find that card and work on that during uh, service, that would be great. Um, also, at the end of our service this morning, we're going to have an opportunity for anybody who would like to um, to pray with some of our leaders, and they'll be right up here in the front corners. So if you have something that you would like us to be praying about, all of those prayer requests stay confidential unless you would like us to share them with our prayer team. Um, But you can find uh, some of our leaders right down here in the front at the end of the service. So just make your way right up here, and we would be happy to pray with you. I wanted to tell you that, um, let's see, June 6th through 9th, we had... uh, we hosted here at Main Campus Vacation Bible School. Uh, guys are going to put some pictures up for us uh, because uh, we had a, we had a blast. It was a lot of fun. We had uh, almost sixty volunteers uh, during the week, um, kind of buzzing around here, taking care of uh, kids from three year olds all the way up to uh, fifth graders, and um, and so we had a lunch crew, we had a game crew, we had crafts, we had all kinds of things going on here, and it was a total blast. We had such fun. Uh, and so uh, we averaged about mm, almost 100 kids a day, 97 kids a day was our average, and uh, it was really cool. Uh, it, was a, it was a lot of fun. I told the team, I think on day two or three, they kind of all blend together at some point, right? Um, but I told the team of volunteers that as we were meeting in the morning that one of the things that I absolutely love about um, Rimrock is the way that you guys turn out to help. And uh, that's such a blessing. We had uh, folks um, who were grandparents and longtime in- empty nesters uh, hanging around and helping. And we had um, kids, uh, middle school kids and probably a couple of sixth graders as well who were helping. So we had um, just this really cool, uh, great uh, team of people who were working the whole week. And uh, our number one priority was that every kid would hear the gospel clearly. And so every day we were talking about how does God provide? Why can we trust God? And then ultimately, how can we trust God to rescue us through a relationship with his son, Jesus. And so it was just a, a blast of a week. And so thank you to everybody who participated and sent their kids and brought friends with them and all of those things. If you were connected to it in any part, um, accept my thanks. That was a, a awesome kickoff for our summer. Uh, it was a ton of fun. Uh, Before we uh, get back to worship, I want to uh, uh, recognize and say uh, Happy Father's Day to all of uh, the dads here. Uh, Being a dad is a blessing and a challenge, um, both. And so I just want to pray right now for uh, our dads. And um, if you've got that kind of a blessing in your life to have children. Um, I just want to pray for you. So God's given you a, a privilege and a responsibility, and uh, we're not designed to do that all by ourselves. Although as guys, sometimes we kind of like, yeah, I don't think I need help. I'll figure it out. And he designed us to do it together. So let me pray for you guys. Father, That's an appropriate way to address you. It's the way that Jesus instructed his disciples. He modeled that for us, Father. God, that's the relationship that you 
want with us. God, you've created us to be your children and to be in relationship with you. Father, Father, we're asking today that you would, um, I'm asking today that you would bring blessing to our dads. I'm asking that you would um, stir your spirit in them, that you would bring um, encouragement. Father, that you would bring a sense of peace. God, that you would bring wisdom. God, that you would bring a boldness and a courage to lead well. God, I pray that you would bring a, a humility, that we would recognize that we're not created to do this alone, but to do it in community, in partnerships, and ultimately in your power. Father, we love you. And we want to worship you with everything that we've got. Our voices, our resources, our attention, our talents, our time. Everything that we've got, Lord, we bring it as an act of worship to you today. Thank you for loving us. Amen. Before we, uh, before we get into these next couple songs, I just wanted to share something with you guys as I've been just uh, praying through uh, songs this week. God just kind of has been drawing my attention to what worship really is. And I know sometimes we think that we come and we sing and that's worship. I think that's an act of worship, but there's so much more. So I just wanted to call attention today to the, to the posture of our hearts during worship that sometimes we feel comfortable because we know the songs and we know the words and we can sing along but it's not it's so not about us and i know i know many of you already know this but but today as we do these songs whether they're familiar or not familiar um just talking about our dependence on the lord our need for him and then it also speaks to just our position of listening that worship we want to be surrendered to God. We want to come before him and say, not my will, but yours be done. That's an act of worship of the heart that we come to him and we recognize, God, I can do nothing apart from you. And John, he says, I am the vine and you are just the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So we depend on him for every bit of our lives. And in that dependence, we need to learn to listen because sometimes he's speaking to us, but we're so busy with so many other things that we're not hearing what he's wanting for us and what he's speaking to us. So we also want to come before him in worship and just be still and be quiet and say, God, I'm listening to you. So wherever you're at this morning, if you feel led to stand and sing, if you feel led to just sit and talk with the Lord and use these songs as a prayer um, or make things right with him, if you even feel God speaking to you now that, that, I, that you haven't been listening, you haven't been abiding in him, now is a great opportunity to just talk to him about it and ask him to help you. Because even in, in the changing of our heart, we need his help, right? <laughs> we need his help to surrender and to come before him. So I just invite you guys to worship, not just through singing, but through the posture of your hearts this morning.
Jesus 
Continue to work in our hearts to teach us to abide. God, may we just continue to be listeners now as Ben comes and speaks to us. God, may we hear what you want us to hear. Not our will, but yours be done. Amen. You may be seated. Would you just join me this morning as we pray? Father, you are what we need most. As we just sang, we depend on you. As Jesus, you taught us to pray, Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. We recognize, Father God, that there is nothing more valuable, there's no treasure in all this world that compares to you. Whom have I in heaven besides you? On earth, nothing I desire besides you. My heart and my flesh may fail, but God, you are my portion forever. May that be true. And Lord, we ask that your kingdom would come and that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, please give us today our daily bread. Lord, please forgive us our debts as we have been forgiven, our, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And Lord, lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen. Well, so good to be together this morning. On Father's Day, respect to all you fathers. Tell you what, uh, I, I appreciate what Boomer said. You know, uh, Rimrock Church, our vision is to be a community being transformed by Jesus Christ. And uh, I'm so thankful for other fathers, other men, especially older men, who've uh, helped me and modeled for me, including my own father, for many years. Uh, right now, I'm in a stage of life, I'm in my mid 40s. Uh, all my kids are at home. I have a 14, 10-year-old, and a 6-year-old. And, um, and uh, you know, they, there's a reason they call this midlife crisis time, right? <laughs> Any other of you guys in that stage of life right now? But God is so gracious. He's with us. He provides for us. And he gives us other men uh, in our lives. And that's so, so important. We can't do it alone. We need God, first of all, but we need each other. So, but no matter what juncture we're at in life, whether uh, we're in our mid-40s or maybe you're a teenager, maybe you're uh, also, um, maybe you're a mother, maybe you're a, a, a single person who hasn't been married yet, maybe you're an older person. Whatever juncture we face in life, the challenges and the opportunities and the joys and the pleasures, life is full of so many different things. I think there's a, a question all of us have. I, I sure have it. I'm asking it in my own life at this point in my life. And I think if I look back at different junctures in my life, different times, I ask this question. And we're bombarded with uh, answers to this question all around us, or what are proposed as answers to that question. But the question is, what ultimately satisfies in our lives? What brings satisfaction? What brings fulfillment in life? Aren't you asking that question? <laughs> I think every person I've ever met is asking that question in one way or the other. And so where do we look for that? Where do we look for satisfaction? Who do we look to? Who do we trust? And where do we go for our deepest desires? Those are, those are key questions in our lives. And we're all, we're all asking, whether you realize it or not, you're asking it. And look at your calendar, look at your checkbook, and it says a lot about how you're trying to answer those questions. Jesus, I think, addressed that question more than any other question. Um, I think he asked a lot of questions because he was looking for what people were trusting. 
if, as we go through the Gospel of Mark, we see this theme over and over of this issue of faith. Who do we look to? Who do we trust? And what we see throughout Mark is all kinds of responses to who Jesus is and who he claimed to be as God, as the one who came to satisfy and came to answer that deepest question that we all have. And so we're going to be in Mark chapter 6, and, uh, and we're going to be looking at two different stories, but we need to look at these stories together. So Mark chapter 6, starting in verse 14, we're not going to read... Uh, this first part, later in the service we're going to read, uh, later in verse 30, but um, every gospel, whether it's Mark, Matthew, Luke, and even John, have the, this miracle of the feeding of 5,000. But that miracle, I think, can only be truly understood in all of its profound invitation for our lives, unless we see the context of what's happening in earlier and what Jesus had just found out about. And what we see, what happened is John the Baptist was beheaded by King Herod. And so in verse 14 of chapter 6, it says, King Herod heard about this, heard about Jesus and what he was doing. He was healing. He was delivering people from demons. He was doing all these miracles, all these things. So Herod, King Herod, heard about this. And for Jesus' name had become well known, and some were saying, John the Baptist has been raised from the dead, and that's why miraculous powers are at work in him. And others said, he is Elijah. So everyone's trying to figure out, who is this Jesus? <laughs> why has he come? What's he doing? Who is he? And still others claimed, he is the prophet, like one of the prophets of long ago. But when Herod heard this, he said, John, whom I beheaded, has been raised from the dead. So... The Gospel of Mark goes into great detail about that story. We're not going to read it all this morning, but I invite you at some point this week to read that story. It's a, it's a pretty sordid story, <laughs> but it's important. And we get all the details because it's important to understand what's going on. The most important thing Jesus told us is that the kingdom of God is near. It's at hand. It's breaking out. And Jesus said, repent and believe because this is good news. This is good news that the kingdom of God has come. It's being revealed. And so the whole question as we go through the gospel is, is what is the kingdom of God and why is it good news? Last week, Bill very uh, well stated that we have biases, misconceptions about the kingdom. And we all do. <laughs> I can guarantee all of us here have some kind of bias or some kind of misconception of the kingdom. And that's why we need the words of Jesus. As we just sang, we need to listen. Jesus said, if you have ears, hear. Whoever has ears, listen. Hear this. Because the kingdom is the best news we could ever receive. But so many so many will miss the message. So King Herod, I think, is a representation of what we think about of kingdoms on this earth. He was a ruler. He was probably maybe Jewish. We don't know for certain, but he ruled the Palestine area, the Jewish area, but he was a Roman representative. He was a, a picture of Roman power. His, his father, who we met at the very beginning of Jesus' life, tried to kill Jesus. His name was Herod the Great. And Herod the Great was a great builder. In fact, you go to Israel today, the Middle East, and the buildings he built still remain. He was a master builder. Um, amazing accomplishments that he did. But uh, this is his son, Herod Antipas. And so this is the Herod that we'll see throughout the remaining of Jesus' life and ministry. But here we see a contrast between Herod and John the Baptist. Now, Herod has it all. <laughs> he's got power. He's got money. He's got influence. He's got everything this world says would be valuable and would satisfy. Herod is a picture of our own personal little kingdoms. I heard a preacher once say that we all have our own little baby thrones, <laughs> right? We all try to develop our own little kingdoms. This is the human dilemma from the very beginning in the garden where Adam and Eve said no to God and they said as they saw the tree of knowledge of good and evil they said we're going to make our own way and this is the human story the human dilemma and so we have this conflict between John the Baptist who represents something very different if you remember John the Baptist didn't build anything <laughs> 
He didn't have anything. He didn't have any, any wealth or, or anything that this world would say is valuable or important or would satisfy. Yet Jesus said of John the Baptist, there is no greater man who has ever lived. So what did John the Baptist have that Herod did not have? That's an important question. John the Baptist came as a, a foreshadow, a, a messenger of, of the coming Messiah, that Jesus was coming into the world, that the kingdom of God was breaking into human history. And John the Baptist had a message of repentance. And it was this message that got him into trouble because he uh, heard that Herod had uh, taken his brother's wife. And so he was living in sexual immorality. He was rebelling against God's way of practicing sexuality. And so John the Baptist called him on it and said, what you're doing is wrong. And this offended Herod and his mistress. And so John the Baptist was arrested and thrown into a dungeon. And there he was left until Herodias, Herod's mistress, found an opportunity because she was angry, she was resentful for what John the Baptist had said about their own personal sexual desires, their own personal way that they wanted to express themselves. Do we hear that in our culture today? <laughs> we live in a time where everyone wants to do what they want to do. Who cares what God says, right? And so Herodias, resentful, angry towards John the Baptist, found an opportunity at a big party. So there's this banquet, there's dancing, it doesn't say it, but I can imagine there's drinking, alcohol is flowing, and Herodias sends her daughter, probably Herod's stepdaughter, to dance. And so she does this dance. Um, there's probably some sexual overtones to this dance. And then we see that the people are greatly pleased with her dancing. And so Herod asks um, rashly, um, probably in the, under the influence of alcohol, he says, I will give half my kingdom to you, to this girl. And so she goes to her mother, Herodias, and what does she ask for? She asks for the head of John the Baptist on a platter. And so John the Baptist is beheaded and brought on a silver platter before Herod. And it says Herod is grieved by this. But we see some things in Herod that I think are really important, that are, are a great contrast with the kingdom of God, but, but I think represent... Uh, human desire, the things that we are trapped by that make us miss the reality of the kingdom of God. See, Herod was puzzled and perplexed because he, he liked John the Baptist. He liked what he saw in John. There was something that John had that he didn't have. All the power, all the wealth, everything he could achieve in this life. There was something that John the Baptist had that he didn't have. He was drawn to him. But what dominates Herod's life is food, sex, drink, all this stuff that the world says, that the culture says will ultimately satisfy. And so what we see in Herod is a desire to please others, a desire for popularity, a desire to, to, to live out his desires, his fleshly desires. One commentator says, the, the truth is stranger than fiction, deeply instructive, giving glimpses into the scene behind the curtain of this life of Herod. But it, it gets behind the curtain of our lives. The, the temptation to be driven by our desires. It reveals the hollowness of the pleasures that are found in immorality. At the bottom of these pleasures, there's an opening into the abyss of disappointment and woe. So what, why, why is this story included? <laughs> like, this isn't uplifting. This doesn't make us smile or happy. This is a, a horrible story, but it reveals something. It reveals something about the human heart and the human condition and why Jesus came into this world. We are lost, brothers and sisters. We are in trouble on our own. If we determine what we think is right or wrong by our own desires, we are in trouble, and Herod is a warning sign to us. And so then we come to the scripture that we're going to read this morning, and this will help us understand what's happening here. Would you stand with me as we read in Mark uh, chapter 6, verse 30? So Matthew says that the events of Herod and John the Baptist being beheaded, that that was reported to Jesus. That isn't said here in Mark 
but the context, and there's a tie-in with these stories. So the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. So this is going back earlier when Jesus had commissioned and sent them out to heal and to preach and to cast out demons. And so they came and they, they told them, and then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves into a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. And when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. But by this time, it was late in the day. So the day, the sun, sunshine is ending. So his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said. And it's already very late. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. Isn't that interesting? Jesus looked at his disciples and said, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, that would take more than half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have, he asked. Go and see. And when they found out, they said, five and two fish. And then Jesus told them to make all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. And so they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven. He gave thanks and broke the loaves and he gave it to them, to his disciples and distributed it to the people. And he also divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and they were all satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish the number of men who had eaten was 5,000. You may be seated. So what do we see in Jesus that would help answer that question about what satisfies? It's interesting that Jesus gave the invitation, come, come with me and let's go find a place to rest. We see that invitation throughout Jesus' life. There's a famous verse, many of you have heard it. Come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So what do we do with those desires that the world is chasing hard after? And what do we do with our own struggles with those desires? What do we do when we are weary and disappointed? Remember, Jesus just got terrible news about John the Baptist. There's, there's grief there. What do we do when we are facing loss and grief, trouble, circumstances that are beyond what we can do, what we can manage? What do we do? And I hope we hear this morning these words of Jesus because I think he's still speaking them to his disciples. He's speaking them to you. And the question is, will we listen? He says, come, come with me. Come with me. <laughs> it, it seems so, so simple, but, but what does that mean? And so this miracle is helping us understand something very profound that answers some of those deepest questions that we have as human beings. What do we do when we're suffering? Where do we go? And so Jesus uh, goes to this solitary place, but all these people show up. <laughs> How many of you have uh, tried to find rest only to find that there's always something there trying to get your attention, trying to draw you, <laughs> trying to distract you, trying to do all these things? And so Jesus understands. He understands what it, it is to live in a hectic, chaotic world where everything is vying for your attention, for your, uh, for your uh, yeah, for your life, right? We, we understand that as parents, don't we? <laughs> we understand that as grandparents. We understand that as employers. We understand that as employees. We understand that in every dimension of our lives. But Jesus wants to teach his disciples something. So instead of going away, he has compassion on the people. And he begins to teach something about faith. Something about faith. And this is what is so important for us. And here's what I think, um, as I've been praying over the last few days, what I hope all of us will take away this morning. Faith in Jesus is not based on what we lack or don't have, but it's based 
on what he's given to us, what we already have. That's profound in so many ways. This past week, uh, I had a sleepless night. Have you ever had a sleepless night? <laughs> I woke up like at 2 or 3 in the morning. My mind was turning. I was worried about something. And I was thinking about everything I didn't have for the situation. Do you struggle with that as well? <laughs> I was thinking through all the, the mistakes I had made and the disappointment in myself. And so I, I couldn't sleep. I was worried. And isn't it interesting in this story, what do we see about the disciples? Are they, are they at peace or are they worried? They're like, we have all these people, Jesus, and they're hungry and it's getting late. What are we going to do? We don't have enough money. We don't have enough. What do we do, Jesus? This is a human dilemma and it's something I struggle with. I think we all struggle with it. And so this past week, I was fixated on what I didn't have. Next morning, um, I was thinking about this passage. Isn't it ironic? You know, as a, as a preacher, I'm supposed to, to know this stuff, but, but God has to teach me. He has to teach me. And I believe he's given me the Holy Spirit, and he's given you the Holy Spirit to teach us, to remind us. He said, Jesus, in John 14, I will give you the Holy Spirit who will be your counselor. He will remind you. He will help you as you go through this life. And so the next morning, my mind was turning again, and then I heard what Jesus said. <laughs> Come with me. <laughs> Come to me. Come to me. And so the disciples came to him thinking about their lack. And what does Jesus point out to the disciples? He says, what do you have? <laughs> what do you have? You see, this is, this is the place of faith. What do you have? What is God given? What is God revealed to you? And so when we look to Jesus and we see what he's given, who he is, and what we have, it changes the situation. Life changes. The kingdom of God comes near. It becomes good news. And this is what we see in this story as they, they come and they bring what they have. We only have, <laughs> we only have three pieces of bread and two fish. This is all we have. But here's the key. When we come to Jesus with what we have, it's enough. It's enough. <laughs> it's enough. You have enough. I have enough. This world says we don't have enough. This world says if you only had this, if only, if only, if only. But Jesus says, come. There's enough in me. There's enough. What a different way of living. What a different way of thinking. What a different way the kingdom of God. What a different power. I wonder if this is what got Herod's attention about John the Baptist. <laughs> how, how does he have enough? How does he have enough? How do we have enough? Here's the last point this morning. With Jesus, we know we have enough because in Christ, in Jesus, there is satisfaction. There is blessing that money can't buy, that nothing this world offers can satisfy, that only Jesus can give us. This miracle is going to become something Jesus refers to over and over again. Do you remember the bread and the fish? <laughs> and there's 12 basket folds, and later we're going to see he does the same miracle again with 4,000, and there's seven left over. What, what's he saying? John spends a whole chapter describing this because this is key. If we're going to understand what the kingdom of God is, what faith is all about, we have to understand what Jesus is telling us here. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Do you believe it? Do I believe it? <laughs> Do I trust that word that Jesus is the bread of life? I think that's the question. It's the greatest question that we have to answer. The greatest thing that we have to respond to in our lives is will we believe 
who Jesus said he is. As we close, I want to invite the worship team to come up, and I want to, I want to read a psalm for us as we're closing. And I want you to be thinking and examining your own heart, your own life, your own desires, your own temptations. And I want to invite you to consider the invitation of Jesus. Come away with me and find rest. What does that mean for your life right now? Whatever stage you're in, <laughs> whatever you're facing, whatever circumstances, whatever news you've gotten this past week, no matter how weary or tired you are, what does it mean to hear that invitation of Jesus? Will, will you place your faith in him? Will you believe that he is enough, that he's given you enough, that you have enough, even though it may be meager, <laughs> it may be small in comparison to the situation you're in? Listen to Psalm 63. You, God, are my God. You're our Father. Earnestly, I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. Can you pray that this morning? Do you long for him? In a dry and parched land where there is no water. There's a lot that this world offers, but does it leave you dry? I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. What are we, what are we thinking about? What are, what is our, where are our eyes fixed? Where's our attention? Because your love, God, your love is better than life. Do you believe that? Even death can't take this away. Your love is better than life, and my lips will glorify you because I've found that, God, you are enough. And I will praise you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. And listen to this, and I will be fully satisfied. You see, Jesus passed out the bread and the fish, and it says they were fully satisfied. Don't miss it. Don't miss the satisfaction that God gives as with the richest of foods, with singing on my lips, my mouth will praise you. And on my bed, I remember you. Even in the night, when those anxious thoughts are coming through the watches of the night, because you are my help, and I will sing in the shadow of your wings. Can you sing? And I cling to you. Your right hand upholds me. His arm is strong. And those who want to kill me will be destroyed. And they will go down to the depths of the earth. Herod thought he won that day. They will be given over to the sword and become food for jackals. But listen to this. But the king will rejoice in God. And all who swear by God will glory in him. While the mouths of liars will be silenced. Praise his name.